Well, a very warm welcome to everyone joining us online today uh, for this message. And if you're regularly with us as Christ Central Church, Fredericton, it's good to be connecting with you in this way. And if you're new to us uh, and just connecting in with us online for the first time, well, it's great to have you with us too. And you know what you can do if you want to uh, find out more about us or just comment. Uh, you should you just comment on the messages underneath uh, or send us a message on Facebook or anything like that. We'd love to get in touch with you and we'd love to get to know you some more. Well, what a week it has been. We have seen schools, churches, sports, theatres, governments making announcements and decisions this week to try and cope with the threat of the COVID-19 virus. And uh, one of those decisions actually affected our ability to meet together as a church this week at Colson Anne, where we usually gather, decided to close their, uh, their community centre for the weekend, uh, pending discussion with their um, board, just as to how they were going to operate over the coming weeks. And so we'll wait to hear from them uh, next week and we'll let you know what the plans are for next weekend. Um, and over the last few days, we've been trying to keep in touch and up to speed with all the information that's come in as we're uh, seeking to try and obey what the government is telling us to do for the safety of our community and also to be able to ensure that we're still able to encourage one another and pray together and meet together, worship, not become isolated. Um, this clearly isn't a situation uh, which is going to be over in the near future and it's going to bring some challenges to us and to our way of life, but as I will speak about later, uh, it's also going to bring us some opportunities uh, to be witnesses to Jesus in how we love one another and love those around us in our community. And it's going to be helping us in the church to see what our lives are truly based on. Um, are they built upon the things that we've come to see as the normal expectations of our lives? Um, or uh, are we going to make it clear that we're standing on the solid ground of Jesus? Uh, rather than shifting sand. Practically speaking, things are going to change week by week or even day by day. So please do make sure that you're able to receive updates from us uh, via email or via our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram feeds. And uh, you can also give to the church via our website uh, by going to the Connect tab and then Giving. Um, there should be a link to our Tithely app there are tidally a system there which you can see from wherever uh, you're playing this message and if you do give regularly to the church and that's usually on a Sunday morning we would just encourage you to consider giving in that way uh, for now on occasions like this when we can't be together. As of now we're still going to be meeting in our midweek life groups and if you're not part of one and would like to connect with uh, one uh, by please let us know again by messaging us and uh, we're still hoping to meet together to pray um, and this evening we'll look to do that as uh, scheduled at 7.30. Okay, as I said, things might change. We'll see how things go. We've been looking at the book of Joshua recently and I do believe that there are things in the book of Joshua which can uh, help us uh, at, this, at this time. And we uh, are kind of at the end of chapter 5 and the start of chapter 6. That's where we were last week when Joe was preaching. And actually we're going to start again there in the same point today and then go forward into chapter 6. So I'm going to read from chapter 5 and verse 13. Uh, we'll actually just read to verse 5 of chapter 6 to begin with and then we'll go on from that later on. So chapter 5, 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our enemies? 
Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your own hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them give a sound, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Okay, we'll stop there and uh, we'll pick up the rest of the chapter later. So Joshua and the Israelites have been prepared by God for the battle ahead. And last time I preached a few weeks ago, we looked at the ways that we could get fit for the battle ahead. And it's becoming increasingly clear that we are going to have battles ahead of us. Um, We looked at the importance of feeding ourselves on God's word, uh, importance of prayer, of worship, of being connected in together with a small group of believers, of serving and of giving. And these things will help sustain us when times get tough. If you didn't hear that message at the start of March break, I'd encourage you to find it on our website or on our podcast and you can listen to it there. So now we have Joshua and he's just outside of Jericho and he's probably wondering what sort of strategy he's going to use in facing this huge city with walls which seem to go up to the sky full of people who have been described as giants. Normally you would think he'd be nervous or fearful just outside the major city of the enemy but God's already encouraged him to be strong and very courageous. However, where we do see fear is in the people of Jericho. We've seen back in chapter 2 that the Canaanites had heard about how God had dried up the Red Sea when the Israelites were taken out of Egypt by God and came out and what they did with the two kings of the Amorites and uh, when they heard the news it says their hearts sank and their courage failed and it was Rahab the prostitute who told them that, uh, told the spies that when they went in and now we see the effect of it on the people living in Jericho because now the enemy is in the land and Jericho has tightly shut its doors. Nobody's going in and nobody is coming out. They're in lockdown. They were huddled together in fear of their lives. And in some ways this is kind of reminiscent of the place where we're beginning to find ourselves as a society. People have heard of the COVID-19 virus They've heard what's happened in China. They've heard what's happened in Italy. And now it's in Canada. And it's so easy for people's hearts to sink and their courage to fail. And we get news today from all sorts of different sources, not just the official ones. So people are even confused about what the facts are. And uh, as an aside, it's good to it's good to get your facts from reputable sources, from the World Health Organization, from the uh, government of New Brunswick uh, and of Canada. But just as we won't be able to stop the spread of COVID-19, just hopefully slow it down enough to be at a more manageable level, so the shut doors of Jericho couldn't stop God and his people. 
And all this helps us to know that God is the one who is in control of all this. Joshua sees it himself when he's outside Jericho, possibly making his plans. As Joe explained last week, instead of him coming up with a strategy and a plan for himself, he encounters God himself. Probably Jesus, the man who describes himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. Up until that point, Joshua probably thought he was the one who was the commander of the army of the Lord. He was the one who'd been put in charge. He was the one who had taken over after Moses' death to lead God's people. But God reminds Joshua that he is the one who is in control. He is the Lord. And Joshua falls down in worship at his feet. And as this virus continues to spread around the world, we're increasingly going to realise as a society that we are not in control. Currently, as I speak, there's only two confirmed cases of coronavirus in the province, but this virus has already affected everyone in New Brunswick. Everyone has experienced something of its effects, if only through cancellation of schools, activities, sports, or not being able to find toilet paper in the stores. At first, we might have thought, ah, it's got nothing to do with us. It's a virus affecting a few people in a country far away. But it does affect us. In a similar way, Paul talks in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 about sin and how sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, he says, death came to all people because all sinned. And we might read that and think, well, what does Adam's sin have to do with me? Well, it does. It affects us all. Just as COVID-19 affects all of us, sin affects all of us. And sin brings about death. And these are times when we're being reminded of the reality of death. Something that people don't generally like to think about. They don't have it front and centre of their lives. But now it is. And it's causing a lot of people stress. To date, over 5,500 people have died of COVID-19 virus worldwide. And sadly, many more will. Currently, far more people are dying from other causes. Mental disorders, heart disease, cancer, flu, traffic accidents. But those things have become a more normal part of life. And they tend to get hidden away from the front and centre of our minds until suddenly they intrude, until one of them impinges on our lives, personally, or family, or friends. But most of the time, we can tell ourselves those things aren't going to touch us. We can fool ourselves that death is something which is a long way off and isn't that close and relevant to us. But right now, it can seem far closer for many people. That's actually a good thing to realise. Because the truth is, every one of us will face death. Death, as someone said, is very deadly. Its mortality rate is 100%. And that's something we do need to face soberly. We can't avoid it and hide from it. It's actually right that people know about it and fear it. And yet there is hope. As we shall see, there is a way for our lives to be saved. 
But first of all, we see back in Joshua chapter 6 that God spoke to Joshua through the commander of the army of the Lord and told him how to proceed. He said, march around the city for six days with seven priests leading the Ark of the Covenant and on the seventh day march around it seven times, sound the blast of the trumpet and give a loud shout and then the walls will collapse. Now I don't imagine that that was the way that Joshua had been strategizing to defeat the city. But that was God's plan and that's exactly what they did and that's exactly what happened. I guess as they'd marched around the city day after day, they would have had good reason to feel pretty vulnerable. After all, if they showed up at nine o'clock in the morning every day to march around, surely the people inside of Jericho are going to think that the Israelites didn't really know what they were doing. They might have even been emboldened enough to come out and attack them. But where the Bible talks about the fear of the Canaanites living in Jericho, hiding away, it doesn't say anything about the Israelites fearing. Well, why was that? It was because they had God's presence with them. As they marched around the city, they were led by seven priests in front of the Ark of the Lord, the very place where God's presence resided. And it was God's presence that made all the difference. Now, that's not to say that they were casual about it. They didn't think that they were invincible and they wouldn't die. They actually showed up armed for battle. They had their defences and they didn't have any promises from God that they wouldn't die. But as far as we know, they didn't fear. Those of us who put our trust in Jesus, the truth is that we do not need to fear or despair. Even though we might be perplexed by some of the things that are happening and we might be hard pressed in second corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8 paul speaks about that kind of thing he says we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry about in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our bodies. Paul himself had been through all sorts of things and he followed God many times, been led by God, thought he knew what God was saying and many times things didn't turn out as planned. He writes to different churches and he said, the church in Rome, he said, I plan to come and see you many times. Well, presumably, he thought that God was leading him to do that, but it didn't happen. His plans were disrupted. We certainly read about him being shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten. So how can Paul say these kind of things in his letter to the Corinthians? I mean, did Paul just have kind of an optimistic, cheerful disposition? Did he always just look on the bright side of life? No. In verse 13 of this same passage... Paul says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. What's he saying there? Well, what he's saying is, we start with faith. When we come to know Jesus, we start with faith. We believe that he died for the forgiveness of our sins so that we may know God. We believe that we're going to be forgiven for those sins. We believe that we're going to stand 
pure and clean before him, righteous. We believe that we're going to have eternal life that he promises. So having started by faith with what we believe, we walk by faith. We don't get swayed or dismayed by what we see. We don't get swayed or dismayed by the circumstances of life, what's going on. We're not in despair because we believe. And what is it that we believe? Well, we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. The reason for our faith is Jesus. It always is Jesus. It's all about Jesus and the resurrection. Paul is saying the reason that we don't despair is that we believe we will be raised with Jesus. And that makes the difference. That makes all the difference. Well, why is that? Jesus' resurrection was his victory over apparent defeat. The one that the disciples had believed in and followed and got behind was cruelly killed. They, were, they would have been perplexed. It was the power of Rome that killed Jesus. But Jesus was greater than any other earthly power. The power of hell was also at work against Jesus. But Jesus is greater than the power of hell. The fact that Jesus is king is demonstrated by Jesus' resurrection. Romans chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4 says, Jesus was appointed to be the son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. A resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, de demonstrates and declares Jesus is king. Well, what kind of king is he? Is he a king who just makes everything okay? No. Jesus' kingdom isn't a place of unbroken health, wealth, and happiness. Jesus' kingdom is about victory after apparent defeat. It's a strange kind of kingdom. Because God's people are called to suffer. We're told to take up our cross. We're told to follow Jesus' way. We may be perplexed, but we believe in the king. And we believe that he reigns. And we're in his kingdom. Anything that happened to Paul could happen to us. With this coronavirus, we're not immune because we know God. We're not immune from its effects. Christians will get sick. Christians will die. But we have life everlasting. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Apparent defeat. But victory follows. So we too, as the Israelites did at Jericho, we have the presence of God with us. And we have all that that means. It's good for us to understand that at times like this, but all the time. Because we'll face things in our lives all the time which cause us to be perplexed and confused and hard-pressed. And because we've got the presence of God with us, we can rescue others. Going back to Joshua 6, we read about all that they did and they did all that God asked them to do and the wall collapsed and they took the city. And let's read from verse 22 through to 25, shall we, of chapter 6. It says, Joshua said to the two men who'd spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in a, a, accordance with your oath to her. 
So the young men who'd done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and mother, her brothers and sisters, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. And they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. The spies went back into the city and they rescued Rahab and her family. You may remember back in chapter 2 how she had sided with God and his people and turned away from her own people, who, the people who opposed God. She put her trust in the living God and because of that she wasn't destroyed and she was rescued to join the people of God. And we too have a mission, a commission from God to rescue people and bring them into his family, the church. And I believe this is a key time for the church, for the church in Fredericton, for the church in Canada, for the church over the whole world. It's a time when we will have many opportunities to bring the light and life of Jesus to those in our society who have no hope, to those who have realized that the ground that they were standing on is actually sinking sand. As this virus moves through Fredericton, it's a time when we'll be able to demonstrate to the people living here the hope that we have. We can show it by how we care and love for each other, love each other in the church. Do make sure that you're checking in regularly with those who you know, especially those who are uh, on their own or elderly. Some of us in the church, in society, will be relatively unconcerned about the coronavirus. I mean, if you're young, you'll have read that you're unlikely to be severely affected. Maybe you'll be more annoyed about the inconveniences in your life right now. But the elderly and those who are more immunocompromised are much more likely to be at risk. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2 and verse 4 to not only look after our own interests, and those of our immediate family, I guess, but also to the interests of others. So this is going to affect how we speak about things to others, and it's going to affect our actions. We can be the ones who are showing care and concern for the vulnerable in society. It'll mean resisting the temptation to join the bunker mentality, which is beginning to get a grip in many people, prioritising themselves over the others, whether that's hoarding and stockpiling toilet paper and other things, or stealing hand sanitizer from hospitals, which I heard about yesterday. And we can also seek mission and not isolation. We can do that with people in our neighbourhood as well as those in the church. Maybe people can call around to neighbours' houses and, and check in on them. Make sure you're standing at a distance. Make sure you're, uh, you know, you're not causing people anxiety there. But we can say to them, we just want to make sure that they're okay. And we're happy to check in with them from time to time. Maybe by text if they're happy to give us their cell phone number. And if they've got any needs, we can help them. And would, would they like us to pray for them? Kind of simple things. But who knows what those simple actions might lead to if Christians in Fredericton began to show people what their faith really means in action. This is an opportunity for us to show people what our faith is 
people have got ideas about Christians, people have got beliefs about who we are and what we think and what we do. Some of those we get frustrated with and think, well, they're not seeing us right. Well, now is the time to show who we are and who Jesus is. And in that mission, as we go out, we must be ready to pay a cost. But that cost will bring the gospel to others. I read, I'll, I read what, something this week and I'll just read it out to you. It says, between 250 and 270 AD, a terrible plague, believed to be measles or smallpox, devastated the Roman Empire. At the height of what came to be known, the plague of Cyprian, after the Bishop of St. Cyprian, who chronicled what happened, 5,000 people were dying every day in Rome alone. And that plague coincided with the first empire-wide persecution of Christians under the emperor, emperor Decius. Not surprisingly, Decius and other empire enemies of the church, they blamed the Christians for the plague. But that claim was undermined, however, by two inconvenient facts. Christians died from the plague like everyone else, and unlike everyone else, they cared for the victims of the plague, including their pagan neighbors. And this wasn't new. Christians had done the same thing a century earlier during the Antoine plague. As Rodney Stark wrote in The Rise of Christianity, Christians stayed in the afflicted cities when pagan leaders, including the doctors, fled. Candida Moss, a professor at New Testament and Early Christianity at Notre Dame, notes that an epidemic that seemed like the end of the world actually promoted the spread of Christianity. By their actions in the face of possible death, Christians showed their neighbours that Christianity is worth dying for. Rahab was rescued from a community of fear and saved into the community of faith. We have an opportunity as the church to use the current world situation to do the same thing. To do, to be those who know that they're saved. To be those who know that their eternity is secure in heaven. To know God's peace in our hearts as we walk by faith even though we don't know what the future will hold for us. And then we'll be able to see other people rescued from their fears and from the eternal reality that death brings outside of the love of Jesus. So let's encourage each other, church, in this as we enter a time in our lives that for most of us will be unlike anything that we've faced before. There'll certainly be some big challenges in the weeks and months ahead, but I believe that God is gonna use this time to refine us and bring a new maturity in us and a new passion for reaching others in our city and in our world. Why don't I just pray to finish off. Father God, I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you are Lord and you are in control. And I thank you that you came and you died for us. That as we receive you by faith, we can walk by faith knowing confidently that whatever the circumstances of our life, whatever happens to us or our families or our society, you love us, you will not leave us, and we have an eternal destiny secure in you. And Father God, I pray 
that you will stir us as your church now to shine a light for you in the darkness of this world and into the fear and uncertainty that is all around us. And Father God, I pray that we will be that light and witness to you in our words and in our actions and in our attitudes and in our relationships with each other. Father God, we do pray for protection, of course, for us and our families and our society. And we want to be sensible and put precautions in place. But, oh God, we recognize you're in control and we want to hear from you and we want to respond to your voice as we live out our lives knowing your presence with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.